0: opinions expressed on buried pleasures are those of the host and the guest and do not represent any views of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners should be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity and discussions on topics that may require a little discretion.
1: You have been warned. Hi guys, it's Polly and Amazing. I wanted to jump on here, even though I do have a content warning on this show, I wanted to make sure that you know that this show may be triggering in ways for some people because the content of this show contains information on sexual abuse, adoption, mental health, and suicidal ideation. So please, if you have issues with that, maybe this isn't the show that you want to listen to. Listen to some of the other ones, but otherwise, I'm glad you're here and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Buried Pleasures. I'm your hostess, Pollyanna Amazing. And just as a reminder, just wanted to let you know that we are a part of Just Some Podcast Media family, which includes the phenomenal men over there at Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners. If you haven't ever checked it out, please do. It's a lot of fun and a lot of information. And also the lovely David Metzger, who is Nurse Papa. So today I'm talking to one of my oldest and dearest friends in this world, Maria Dawn. She is a registered nurse and I've known her since she was a baby almost. (laughs) And what we're going to talk about today is how her journey through her life has led her to be the most amazing mother of some fantastic kids and how her relationship with her husband has helped with all of this amazing rearing of children that were kids that were, you know just stuck out there without anybody. So, Maria Dawn, hi! Hello! So good to see you, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, it's so good to be here. Fantastic. I brought you on the show because I saw a Facebook post that you made, and I, I love, I, you know, I keep up with you through Facebook a lot, because I'm a stalker type, guys out there, if you don't know that about me, I'm a stalker. I have a lot of people that I love, and I, you know, I don't get to see them in person very often. You are a badass nurse mother. Awesome. Gosh, I can't see. There's just, there's no words for what you are. To me, you're an angel. So tell me where in the world did you come from? Tell me all about your life. Let's hear it. Let's start at the beginning.
0: Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am from Quincy, Kentucky. Uh, grew, (laughs) Grew up here. Met my husband when I was fifteen. I know it. <laughs> yes. And we've been together since then, on and off. Got married when we were young, in our twenties. Became a nurse.
0: Yeah. Then
2: got two kids. Yes. They were actually his cousin's kids and she lost custody. So we we'll took think them. Of
1: that more in a, yeah, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But yeah, keep going. How long how many years have you guys been together all together? Twenty one. Twenty one. Woo. Yeah. All right, girl. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <in> <laughs> <itself>.
1: <laughs> I talked to a lot of people about relationships, and 21 years of uh, of a relationship. That's you guys grew up together, basically, right? Like you grew yep. up learning how to have a relationship with this guy. Which, by the way, yeah. I love him so much too. I call him Mikey. We call him Sean. I don't know. It's Sean Michael. Is his name? And he's just the yeah. sweetest thing. But yeah. So you grew up with Quincy. And just by proxy, she, you, I met you through my little brother, actually. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because you guys are all the same age or around that. And nursing was something. I think I saw you. Didn't we precept you some in the ER or something like that? My yep. husband, didn't my husband mm-hmm. maybe precept you a little bit? We saw you. Yep. That's been a long time ago.
2: And not only that, when I got sick, you saved my life. What? Yes.
1: Oh, let's let's stop a second. Okay. You can continue because I have to take a. You know, I'm very emotional and I'll cry at the drop of a hat. So how did you I forgot save? about that? Didn't you? I don't remember. Tell me. I mean, like I, I know this sounds like radio, but um, this is not. How did I save your life?
2: When I went to the ER when my valves per. Oh my God, I totally forgot. Nobody. Like, I kept passing out, and they kind of just assumed that I was on drugs and stuff, and you came in and said, no, I know her, and she is not on drugs, and you called Dr. Song and had him come see me, and he left church to come see me, and I ended up with a colostomy and an ICU, and if it wasn't for you, I would be dead because I was septic. Oh, my gosh. Okay.
1: So, anybody else out there that knows me as a nurse? I'm a very big patient advocate. And there are a lot of times we're in the area to which Maria Dawn and I have grown up in and been around the drug issue, you know, addiction is a big deal, right? We all know that. And it's really hard sometimes to take yourself, to remove yourself from the perspective of the ER nurse, who is me. And like everybody else, and be cognizant of the fact that there are more than just drug addicts out there seeking attention for their care, and and it's really sad to think that whenever a young lady would come into an emergency room and have abdominal pain, that that's the first go-to thought that you have to have. But you know, in a practical way, that it happens. It happens a lot that people fake pain yeah. and, and injury for medication for pain meds, and and that sucks, but. Holy shit! I totally forgot about that. I I I didn't bring you on the show for that. Now I'm gonna get (laughs) off. Oh my gosh! Um, shoot. But oh shoot! Oh anyway, let's move on before I do start blubbering like a big old baby. So you had a colostomy. You've had all these things. Tell me, tell me what happened after the colostomy? After you got out of the hospital, what what made you want to become a nurse? By the way. Uh, Well, I was
2: actually in, like, my third week of LPN school, Mm -hmm. Um, and they offered to work with me and all that, and I just knew it would be too, I would be too far behind, Mm -hmm. Um, because I've always wanted to be a nurse, because, you know, around here, it's, you know, you're a nurse, or you're a teacher, or, you know, or you work at the prison, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and, like, You know, pretty much my whole family is nurses and Sean's family and just everybody's nurses. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I just knew that's what I was going to do. So I went back after I got better the next year, Mm -hmm. went to LPN school, started working. Then a few years later, went
1: back for my RN and here I am. I'm so proud of you too. And you know what? this That reminds me of something too. You were talking about LPN school, Brenda Har. Liked a comment or something that I posted the other day and I swear to you in my heart, if anybody knows anything about the Scioto County Joint Vocational School in Ohio, <laughs> in Fort, well, <laughs> right, that woman is a badass. She's always been a badass. I tell you, she's I think she's trained a majority of the LPNs that ever came out of Scioto County and she like she's old school. She didn't put up with shit. Yep. She nope. So if anybody hears this and knows her, let her listen to this, Miss Har. You have always been an inspiration to me, and I've always emulated her. Whenever I think about when I teach in person, like the nurse residency program, I am I'm the Miss Har, except I don't smell like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> But I always go back to that. I Go back to Miss Har and Miss Hosey, the most awesome of nurse, you know, nurse instructors that I ever had in the time that I've been in nursing school. Phenomenal folks those are. So you were an LPN, you did all these things, and then finally you decided to get married. Yeah. What happened? What happened with that? You got married to old farm boy. <laughs> Well, actually,
2: we lived together after I graduated high school. We moved in together, and we talked about getting married on and off, and never really made plans or anything. And one Saturday morning, he woke me up and said, "Do you want to go get married today?" And I said, "What time is it?" And he said, "It's six o'clock." I said, "Wake me up at eight, and we'll go." (laughs) And he woke me up at eight o'clock. We went to Walmart and got us the cheapest bands we could afford, and we went to the courthouse and they said we had to wait for the guy that uh, actually had performed the ceremony or whatever. So we walked across the street to a little um, like shop that had like the smell good stuff and the primitive stuff and all that. And the lady running it asked what we were doing, and I said, "Well, we're waiting for the guy to marry us." And she said, "My son's on his way, and he's a pastor; he can marry you." Oh, yeah. So she <laughs> set up this little thing in the corner so we could have a nice picture. And he married us in this little shop. And in our wedding picture, you can see price tags hanging from things that were for sale in the store. <laughs> that's an awesome story. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, that's, oh it gosh, just, that's awesome. it was perfect. It was just me and him. And it's, it was just perfect. Well, how awesome is the lady had.
1: <laughs> were you in Catholic? Where'd <laughs> you go? Did you go to Vance or It was green up. Okay. okay. I got married in Greenup once. (laughs) Doesn't everybody? Yes. I I think so. Anybody from that area, if you haven't been to the little wedding chapel in Greenup, then you aren't nobody. (laughs) That is so hilarious. So you married this guy and you know, people out there don't know about Sean and the situation that he grew up in, you know, like he's a he's pretty resilient little guy too he had some rough rough beginnings as well with his dad dying when he was little you know coming to live with a crazy bunch of people in Quincy (laughs) yeah (laughs) to say the least to say the least I mean yeah so it's really cool that you guys have gotten to grow together how do you think that all of this like that spontaneity like who gets married don't like hello hey you want to go get married today? (laughs) Who does that? Has he always been spontaneous like that? Like, you know?
2: No, not at all. Like, he's usually like a very planned person. Very like, you know, everything has to be by the book, by the plan. I don't know. It was just he said, you know, like, it it was kind of weird because, like, one time I would want to get married, and he's like, let's just wait. Next time he'd want to get married, and I'd kind of have cold feet. So it was just like, we're doing it. We're doing it right now before... You know we can't match it up. You know what I
1: mean, right? That's so cool. I I see. I didn't know that story either. Man, there's so many things. Gosh, that just makes me feel like I'm getting old now because I don't remember (laughs) any of this stuff, and I hate that. But then I'm just gonna say too. This goes to show you that you never know what kind of what kind of influence you're gonna have on people. So always be your best self as much as you can. Don't try to be a dick. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Don't try to not be nice. I'm trying to, to get away from using that as a negative connotation, but you know, I didn't realize that you guys had just, you know, decided to get married because for me, I've always seen you guys together for the longest time. And it, it's yeah. never been like, are you married? Are you not married? You just were, you were Marie, Don and Sean. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you, one of the coolest things that I can remember about you two as a couple, um, was that you guys were always really playful and cute. (laughs) You know, a lot of times you see a lot of jealousy happening. And I never saw that in front of me, even if it happened, you know, it may have happened to you guys behind the scenes, but I don't remember that ever being such a thing. Um, You guys were always the sweetest couple. But with every relationship, there are terrible and and awful things that happen. So tell me, how did you guys in the beginning, because you were young, how old were you when you got married?
2: When we got married, I was 23.
1: Okay. So, I mean, that's not young back home, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in the real world and out everywhere else, twenty three is is kind of young to get married. So, how did you guys deal with your with your problems and your issues? How do you think that worked out?
2: We've just always been really good at communicating with each other. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, I'll I'll just tell them like, I need you to love me more today. I'm being needy today. And he will give me what I need; he will hug me more, he will tell me he loves me more, he will tell me I'm beautiful more, and at the same time, if he's in a bad mood, and you know he was supposed to mow the grass today, and I'm like, "You know, hey, yo, you're supposed to mow the grass yeah. if he's honestly having a bad day, he can tell me you know just not today i'm it's not a good day, and we don't use those things as excuses,
0: mm-hmm. like
2: it's very once in a while that it happens. But we know that when those things happen, that we need each other. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's just about telling each other
1: what you need. Nobody knows unless they get told. And who taught you that, honestly? Because I know, well, and, and and this might, I mean, you came from a divorced family too, right? Like a lot of people. Who taught you how to, to communicate like that? Who told you that that was what you needed to do? Or how did you learn that?
2: Well, I came from a divorced family, but they were very affectionate. And Sean came from a family that was still together, but was not affectionate at all. So instead of what's common where people bring the bad things from their childhood, we decided to bring the good things. He brought, we were going to stick together no matter what. And I brought, you know, we were going to be affectionate and loving and communicate. Like we made that our goal was to bring the good things instead of the bad things.
1: You know, that's one of the things that my dad always told me before he died was, if you don't tell people that you love them, how the hell do they know that you love them? So Mm -hmm. do it. (laughs) So. And so, yeah. I mean, I I came from you know you you've met my family. They're all there. There's some that are are awesome, and there's some that are less awesome. But we have, we came from a loving family. We did. I mean, I we I never had a thought of ever being in harm's way or, or anything like that. I knew I was loved. I knew we were cared for. Even though we all lived in the same damn neighborhood, and sometimes it's a little tough to live next door to your entire family. <laughs> that may or may not be why I'm in Washington at this point, but. <laughs> stretching my legs a little, but I, you know, we did come from a very loving and good Christian family for that matter. But that's another thing I like to talk about too, is how that's, you know, how, how religion kind of made me who I am as well. And and my thoughts on how I needed to, to separate myself from some of the um, things that I was that I heard back in those days. Um, and I, I think I've done a wonderful job. And, and I still preach the loving kindness that I always have. Um, <laughs> most definitely. But when you have, you've got that, um, that background, like you said, you want to have that love, you wanted to make sure that he didn't have that growing up. So maybe that was something that you could offer him. And he was going to stick with you no matter what, regardless. And I think that I've seen that. Now, talk about, if you will, um, what happened when you found out when he got sick.
2: Like with his surgery or his. Yeah,
1: Yeah. well, with all, with his. Well, talk about mental health issues and his illness, if you don't care, if that's okay.
2: Well, in 2016, we found out that he had a Chiaris malformation. Mm -hmm. Um, He was complaining like he was choking on his own spit, he couldn't feel his arms when he would wake up. And I'm a nurse, and you know that how we are. I was like, yeah. you know, you know, quit being a pussy, pretty much. <laughs> and leading out of every hole um,
1: in body, buddy Shut yeah.
2: Up. <laughs> like yeah. you'll be fine. Uh-huh. Um, so it went on for quite a while, and he's always have headaches, so I didn't think anything of it. And they finally um, scanned him and all that, and found out like his brain was herniating down into his spinal cord. So they did the surgery. And it went a little different than we had, like, kind of foreseen for him. So there was a lot of rehab and a lot of uh, aftercare that he needed that we didn't necessarily anticipate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it took a long time. But then after that, about three months after that, he attempted suicide.
1: Yeah.
0: That and really,
1: That that broke me apart. And I, I mean, like, and I'm over here as a, a bystander. I... But I've loved him like he was my own little brother, too, for a long time. And, and that really affected me. And I wanted you guys to be so, so okay that it was it was tough. And this is not about me. This is about you. So after that happened, tell me, how did he get past that, do you think?
2: Well, you know, they got him. He was in ICU for a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then he went into a psychiatric facility And got into counseling and to seeing a psychiatric nurse practitioner, Mm -hmm. and it was hard for probably a year till he got the right diagnosis and on the right uh, medication regimen and all that, because he's schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stigma and all that that goes along with it, Mm -hmm. because you generally only see it like on TV and it's the ones that are like the killers on the shows and you know, so we had a lot of hard times, and I think he had a really hard time, too, after his brother died, which yeah. I think has not really helped the mental health issue right. at all.
0: Yeah.
2: And since then, he's had quite a few hospitalizations for it, mm-hmm. just because he goes now twice. He's had to be mandatory admitted. Uh-huh. Um through the ER, but now he's, he's good about like, if he can't get in to the doctor,
0: mm-hmm. he
2: will call somewhere and get an assessment and go in voluntarily
0: yeah.
2: just, you know, to get his medications adjusted. And.
0: Yeah.
1: That's awesome. I think that the fact that you're sticking with him and that you guys have built this wonderful life, even with these diagnoses, like you are not your diagnosis. You are not the sch- the schizophrenic you are not the person with the tumor. You are not the person with a colostomy. You're a human, right? Mm -hmm. You're not that diagnosis. And I think a lot of the times we, we miss that whenever somebody says, oh, well, they have this or that or whatever. So you discount them as a human. I think that, that Sean's done a great job. Well, in my eyes, anyway, (laughs) I think he's done a great job. And I think you sticking with him and keeping him on track is also huge i mean like you should pass yourself on the back for that one honey that's a tough one so well
2: i mean honestly i really don't think so because when somebody is your person like that's what you that's that's your purpose is to not just be there when stuff is good yeah. because if somebody goes into it thinking it's always going to be good it won't last because there's never ever
1: always going to be just good right you're so right so in a way you've had all of the these things happen and so just to take a step further into this discussion in the sense of how the heck do you have a healthy sexual relationship with somebody who is on medicine and probably has a lower libido, have you found ways that you guys can, can come together in that aspect and not to be, you know, I'm not probing you <laughs> completely. You don't got to give me all the deets, although you talk about that later. <laughs> but in, in that respect, because I'm sure there's other people out there listening who have partners who have mental health issues or health issues, that are trying to navigate through this as well. What did you find was, was good for you guys? What what helped you guys to have, you know, a healthy relationship?
2: Well, I think a lot of the times, too, people don't understand that intimacy and sexuality are two different things. Right. So, you know, you can be intimate with somebody and not necessarily be sexual with them.
0: Right. Yeah. So,
2: in the times that he's not necessarily sexual he can still be intimate with me right you know he can do things that I feel are intimate Uh and he may not even feel that they're intimate but he does them for me right and you know there's been times even you know when I was sick that I wasn't able to have sex Uh and sometimes you just have to suck it up and do it you know or not do it
1: How is it for you on that, from a a sexual aspect, what happens whenever one or the other doesn't really feel like being intimate or, you know, having sexual relations? How does that work?
2: Um, well, there's definitely a difference in being sexual and being intimate. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: He can do things that are intimate for me Mm -hmm. and that aren't sexual that make me feel close to him and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And there's also things that are sexual that he can do for me mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily intercourse, right. um, because usually that's the problem, especially with males and medication. Right. Um. So, you know, he is happy when he makes me happy.
0: Right.
2: And,
1: you know, we still feel close. That's awesome. And that's that's an important part. I think um, people get hung up on the sex part a lot. And I know when you're working through medical issues, you know, you're not feeling like you want to do it. (laughs) Like the penetrative sex part is not something that, you know, is, is always a thing. And that's where people, people get confused. I think when we talk about pleasure, when I say the word pleasure, a lot of people get uncomfortable because they think, Oh, she's going to talk about sex again, (laughs) but it's that holding hands. It's, you know, I always compare my head, like when Dave touches my butt, when I'm brushing my teeth before he goes to bed, that to me is like, <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> it has nothing to do with an orgasm or whatever, but it's just that feeling that I feel in my heart. It, you know, you just feel it, you feel it. It's like, Oh, he does love me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Moving on, because you have a timeline of some amazing things. So I'm, t- I'm going to keep on track, but moving on. So you got this relationship and tell me about when it comes time to talk about having kids in this relationship, what happened?
2: We had talked about it on and off. Um, and like, we had never really not tried to have children or prevent it and it had not happened really oh. um and then just one day his cousin got her children taken away mm-hmm. and we took custody of them and at the first court hearing where like they tell her what she needs to do and everything to get them back it was pretty much like senior your house all of that kind of stuff uh, she just stood up and said I don't want them they can keep them so the judge looked at us and was like will you guys keep them? And we're, we were just a week into it. Like we hadn't talked about anything. Right. You know, so like I look at him and he looks at me and he was like, are we doing this? And I was like, I guess so. I mean, all our major decisions in life are just like a split
1: second decision. (laughs) Hell yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's take on some kids. Sure. And how old were the kids at that time? Four and six. Four and six. So you have these and you, I mean, like, it's not like you hadn't ever seen these children before, but you, they weren't coming to your house every day. They didn't know you that close. Correct. At no. that right. So you have this person and and she was unable for whatever reason we can go into that or we, we don't have to, it's up to you, but for this person not to be able to take care of her kids and she realized it and said, okay, I I don't want them. And, and, you know, this is many years of, of contemplation of me saying it this nice way that I'm saying it and, and I'm outside the box of this. You have been in the middle of this, watching these kids come into your home, like how the heck did that, how, what happened? Just, let's just talk about what happened.
2: Well, they came to us with practically nothing. Um, You know, and at the time, I was, we didn't know exactly the extent of the abuse, and they still wanted to see her. That was their mom. Right. So I would pay her $20 and go get her a couple times a week to come see them. Uh Um, And then stuff started coming out about sexual abuse and um, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, we started them in counseling, and you know, the counselor said, of course, that we should cut off any visitation or anything like that with her. Uh-huh. And that's what we did. Um And she signed over, you know, all her rights and all that. Uh-huh. So we got to adopt them a year later, which is really, really quick for an adoption. Super quick.
1: Do you feel like that signing over of the kids was her way of trying to be helpful or do you think that it was just something she thought she had to do? It's, I'm just, just an opinion.
2: I feel like that she thought if she didn't, that they would investigate it very hard and she would end up in prison.
1: Okay. That's what that. Okay. So you have these beautiful kids and you find out that this abuse, they've, they've been abused in a way and and you're trying to work through that. So, behaviors happened, I'm I'm guessing. Um yeah. So talk about that a little bit if you don't care.
2: Um well there was a lot of like um toileting behaviors. You know, they would, you know, use the bathroom in the floor, smear it all over the place, um, be sexually inappropriate in, you know, public. Mm -hmm. They would talk about sexually inappropriate things that, you know, no child should know. Um, I remember Jill going to preschool and crying one day because she told them she didn't think that Sean loved her because daddies were supposed to kiss their little girls on their privates when they love them. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just a lot of stuff like that. And then Josiah, he had a lot of anger issues for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, and i think a lot of it stemmed too from where she was family right like people took sides and not many people took their side and they right. seen that
1: yeah yeah so well i think in 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 any kind of you know you you have the he said she said um part of of abuse and that sort of thing but when you see these behaviors manifesting in a child then you pretty much can assume that you know, allegations are absolutely accurate. So moving forward, you had the kids for high, for a year. You got to adopt them. They have been beautiful and thriving ever since. And, and they are wonderful kids. I, you know, like sometimes I think, man, I wish my kids were so nice, but <laughs> <laughs> not that they're not. My kids are lovely, but I'm just saying, you know, these kids came from a really, you know, um, rough background. And you have provided them a home, but you've also provided them a safe space to be a kid. And they're, you know, and they've thrived. And that's what can happen when adoption goes right. You know, that's that's the important part. But let's move on a little further now that they're just amazing angels. And Josiah, he just graduated recently, right? Like, No, he's going to be a senior this year. Senior this year. Okay, sorry. I thought he and Tony were the same age, but okay. So... He's graduating. He's an amazing young gentleman. You know, like he's awesome. Jill's grown up to be this beautiful girl. And you take them to Frankfurt. Do you still do that? Take yes. them to Frankfurt every yeah. so let's talk about that. What's what's that about?
2: Um, every April, which is child
1: abuse prevention awareness month,
2: um, they plant pinwheels, uh, blue and silver in the Capitol lawn. Uh, they plant one for every child that receives services that year Mm -hmm. and we go and help them plant them. And I mean, it's just like a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing like to watch the kids and how they've grown every year doing it. Yeah. It's, it's a very sad thing because there's so many, Mm -hmm. there's so many, it it just fills the whole thing.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch and see and. I'm glad that my kids want to advocate and tell their stories and
1: be a part of that. I think it's important because if we sweep it under the rug, you know, nobody wants to to talk about all the yucky stuff. We talk about all the cool stuff. You know, my show is is about sex and love and pleasure, and sometimes the negative parts have to be brought to the forefront for you to get past them, so that you can move on to the good stuff. And, and you've really hit the good stuff. And because I have was gonna have you on the show I looked up a couple things just because I like to look up info <laughs> and in all honesty according to uh, one of the major uh, child welfare sites sexual abuse claims are down down since 2007 they are down in 2018 was this statistic that they're down from seventeen percent to nine percent of the kids that are reporting it and then also um, just physical abuse is down from 27% to 18%. But the sad thing is, is in those numbers, you'll see that the highest um, number or age of the, of the people who are being abused are, you know, around the age of between three and five. Yeah. That to me is so sad. And, you know, working in the ER for all the years that I did, I've definitely seen a, a, a great, number of children who have been subject to abuse and um it's always sad to see because you know the social workers will tell you that it's it's easier to send them back to their families even though they're being abused there because they're definitely probably going to get abused in their um adoptive or their in, in, in the other home that they're going to so yeah. and the foster system so you provided these kids with a wonderful home. And then what happened? You got more kids. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All kinds of kids. Whose idea was it to to try to help more kids? Um, At first it was Sean's actually. Yeah. We were just driving around one day and he said, what do you think about it? And I was like, are you sure? Because <laughs> it wasn't something that I would think that he would be. Four you know,
0: right.
2: and he was all for it, and that's we had started the classes to foster, and somebody that we knew their siblings had been taken into foster care,
0: uh-huh.
2: and where we had been around them before in Kentucky, you can do kinship care or yeah. fictive kin, uh-huh. which is where you know them. Uh-huh. Um, it's usually a teacher or something that does that,
0: yeah. but
2: so we took them. So we had two, and then we finished our foster classes and took in three more. <laughs> so we were at seven. <laughs> and she had to get a
1: new car, y'all. <laughs> Cause they yeah. in own <laughs> <laughs> so now you have seven foster kids at this time. How many do you well, have? Well, no,
2: three.
1: Oh. The three went went home. Okay, gotcha. And well, I meant at that time. So you had those. Oh, yeah, okay. seven. You had seven at one time. And so those, some of those went home and then did you get more or similar, same ones?
2: No, it was the same
1: ones. Same. We,
2: we kept the same ones for like two years.
1: Okay. And then what? They got
2: adopted too? Yeah. Well, the ones that, the three went home and then the two that we had in Fictive Kin, we adopted in December.
1: Nice. And so now you have more babies at your house not babies yes. the kids right how old are they yeah um 11 and 13 11 and 13 so what you have done is created a safe space for these beautiful kids to grow up in and how are they doing are they thriving yeah, yeah.
2: um i think like a big difference in our house and i've noticed in a lot of other homes is like, we don't care when they talk about their biological family. Uh-huh. It doesn't bother us. Right. Um, I'm not offended. It doesn't, you know, I'm their mom. They had another mom. You know, they have other family. If, you know, the our two youngest, their sister comes to our house and spends the night, you know, it's the more people that can love a kid. You know, as, as long as there wasn't sexual abuse or something like that, right. Um, right. as long as it's a safe issue as long as there's no safety issues I guess you know come on and see him
1: I think that you're amazing and I think that Sean is pretty flipping fantastic too I love that kid (laughs) I like him too y'all are old now you're not kids anymore um But what a great thing that you have done and look at the love that you're spreading. And each of these guys, each of these little kids that are, that are involved with you. And even the friends of these children that are involved in your care in in your home, they all have, they're going to take all this in and they're going to spread it out. So I always say that I am a big fan of loving kindness and what you're doing. Is spreading a wicked case of loving kindness and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love I love the fact that in in your lifetime and in my lifetime, I've gotten to see you grow as you know, as a nurse, as a mom, as an adult, into this beautiful family, Aww. amazing keeper of Hearts. That's what you are. You're a keeper of hearts, honey. And it's fantastic. And I appreciate you for that. And thank God I saved your life. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's all because of you. (laughs) I'm just I'm trying to make light of the situation, but um, really honestly, I am so proud of you and, and so proud of the cool shit that you're doing. And I'm gonna encourage you to write a book about what you're doing and what you have done. And let Sean be part of it, too, because I think it's important for you to get your story about how these kids can find love in different places, even though you're not their, you know, biological parent. It's pretty damn good. That's what I say. But off of the seriousness, let's move past all the seriousness of me saving your life. Just saying. No. (laughs) Also, what a big thrill it was for me to be like there for when Sean had his surgery too. When I worked at, that was also a really you know that's that's really close to my heart because, just a little side note years ago, my mother's sister Janet um, was in a really bad car accident and passed away, and so her husband remarried to the mother of Sean, and um, it's definitely a different situation because. It's definitely I'm not gonna talk badly about anybody in this situation, I, although some people might want me to. That <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's it's awesome to see Sean's maturity level and how you guys have really brought together this cohesive family group. It's it's really it makes my heart happy. But moving past all of this cool stuff, this amazing uh way that you're a mom. As a mom, now that you have all these, how many kids do you have still now? Five at the house? Four. 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 Okay. So you have four at the house now. When the heck do you guys ever have quality quiet time for mommy and daddy? <laughs> do you go on date nights or anything? Do you have that? <laughs> yeah. No, we do. Okay. And
2: like the kids know it's important. We tell them it's important. Yeah. You know, mom and dad need time alone. We need to be with each other, Uh, you know. And we do little things too, like once a week when the kids go to bed, we'll go take a drive and sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's three hours.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, we'll make sure that we sit outside by the creek and sit in the swings and just talk
0: okay. about
2: anything.
1: You know, we so lay down th- at night. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an extravagant date no you know, no no no. see that's i think people get caught up in that like oh i have to have this crazy like we need to go here or go there you don't you can jump in your car you can take a burn ride go, go down the road for three hours um or you can sit by the see sitting by the creek is a kentucky thing i like it that's what we used to do when we were kids go sneak sneak a smoke cigarettes whatever <laughs> that's just the thing that you did you know um But I think that it's awesome. So when you lay down at night, you just, that's your snuggle time, cuddle time, whatever. You don't have to get graphic.
2: (laughs) Or or we'll talk to each other while the other one's in the shower.
1: Gotcha. (laughs) For all you moms out there, code word, we're talking. Um, (laughs) Mommy and daddy aren't wrestling though. (laughs) It's all good. See, that's what I, those are amazing things that other people out there need to hear that there's some really hardworking and phenomenal people that are keeping the youth of our nation safe and away from harm. And that's so awesome. And and you're doing it and you should be very proud of yourself, sweetheart, because it's pretty fantastic. I like it. Thank you. You are so welcome. But I know that uh, you are, it's late where you are. And also, I don't want to keep you forever away from all these kids and that lovely husband of yours. But I just want to thank you, Maria Don, for coming on here and kind of shedding some light on just what exactly it is to be like a foster mom, an adoptive parent and try to live like a normal life. If you had one, you know, if you had the ability to say something to a parent, mom or dad, that or you know a person who wants to get into um fostering or adopting what's your advice on that for them if you would
2: um I've heard a lot of people say like I don't think I could love another child the way I could my own, mm-hmm. and I've seen people do it that have said that very thing yeah. it's just and i've even you know, I thought that about older kids because they have their own personality and they're, but when a child just walks into your home and into your life, they're just yours from day one. That's it. It's all over, you know, it's just, it's a totally different experience and you may not be able to be there for their first steps or their first word, but you're there the first time they make the decision to call you mom or the first time they get to go out to eat or the first time they ever decorate a Christmas tree, you know, there's, there's different firsts that you get to experience and it makes it all that much more sweet.
1: That's So cool. You're awesome. Thank you for coming on my show. Thanks Thanks for for reminding me that I'm a hero. (laughs) You are. (laughs) You're a hero. You're a hero. That's it. You are are beautiful. I love you so much. I appreciate you. And I hope that one day when you write your book that you write in the liner notes, Pollyanna is badass and I love her too. <laughs> I just think it's great. And so your plans to continue this relationship with this, this old, this old Jebediah man that's <laughs> got that long <laughs> beard and I love him so much. So you and Sean have been married. How many years now? Uh, 14. Cheapers. So just so everybody else out there knows, I I've, I've only ever been married the longest for 12 years. <laughs> I've been married a couple other times too. So it doesn't count, but anyway. That's so awesome. I hope that you guys continue to be prosperous and, you know, that these other um, children that you've you've recently adopted more so, a lot sooner than the other guys. um, I hope that, that this all continues to go well and that these kids really know how great you guys are and how great they are for bringing, you know, what a great learning opportunity as a parent to be able to switch it up because it is, I mean, it's totally different. You were just saying. It's totally different. But it can all be a huge, big pleasure to do. Right? So this is yeah. a different kind of pleasure. We're talking about the pleasure of the heart, not the genitals today. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew we were gonna talk about that? But I um again, I love you. Thank you for being here. Okay. I love you, thank you. Well, guys. This is another awesome episode of Buried Pleasures. If you haven't checked me out, <laughs> you should check us out on uh, YouTube at Buried Pleasures. You can also find me at Twitter, Buried Pleasures. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. You can find the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. Maria Dawn, thanks again. All right. You guys have a good evening. up?
0: The very end, many men try to reach it.